Hi, and welcome to The Unveiling. I'm Tim, one of the hosts, and along with Ajay and Mark, we are three guys discussing the one true gospel. We hope you're encouraged by this episode. Let's dive right in. Hello, welcome back to The Unveiling with your hosts, Ajay, Mark, and Tim. This is episode 43, part two in our series on the seven I Am statements of Jesus that are found in the book of John. Tonight, we are going to start out with uh, John eight twelve, where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now, much like I did last time, let me just quickly set the, set the scene as to what was happening prior to this statement. Jesus was teaching, and uh, the Pharisees and lawmakers came up to him, and they had a woman who had been caught in adultery with them. And they brought this lady up to have Jesus, you know, kind of to trap him because, you know, they wanted they wanted a reason. This is this is already a re, you know a time period when they were against him and they wanted to try and expose him or whatnot. So they brought this woman in front of him and they said, "Teacher, this woman is has been caught in adultery. You know, what should we do?" Moses says we should stone her, and Jesus is just not paying apparently paying any attention to them whatsoever. He's just kind of hunched over, drawing in the dirt at his feet. And they keep going, well, you know, what, what should we do? And Jesus finally looks up and looks back down and says, you, you know, let the person who is without sin cast the first stone. And he continued scribbling in the dirt, they say. Now, my opinion here, this is not scriptural at all, but I kind of think in the, in the dust he was writing words like, sins that they all knew they had committed. He might have written the word lie or steal or cheat or adulterer, or, you know, or whatever those words were. And as the people were watching him, they were personally convicted enough that they would each kind of just wander back into the background and disappear. And after a while, Jesus looked up at the woman and looked around and he goes, isn't there anyone left here to condemn you? And she goes, no, they all left. He goes, well, I don't condemn you either. You know, I forgive you your sins, go and sin no more. And that was, you know, that was the end of it for him. It was a pure grace and uh, mercy that he let her move along with her life, freed her of the sin in her, her past, and encouraged her to go forth and sin no more. Now, um, we may have a bit to talk about on that last part of that line, go and sin no more. I don't think he was telling her to go out and try not to sin and to work hard not to do anything wrong. But I think that because she had come you know, before him the way she had, she accepted who he was and kind of accepted him then and there. And now she's not a sinner anymore. She's a saint and she can't sin. That's the nature of grace. You're no longer a sinner. So anyway, that's me being long-winded just to get us up to this point, guys. Last week, I think we started with you, Ajay. So this week, Mark, would you like to go first? Yeah, I would. I'd love to just comment on Jesus' last line. I've heard the theory that you brought up that Jesus was, excuse me, writing their sins in the dirt. And there's nothing, I mean, this is all just us giving guesses because there's nothing that tells us what he was doing. And perhaps that's true. What I like about it, though, is 
here they are bringing this woman caught in adultery. Just put yourself in that situation. The Pharisees in their robes and their power, they're the ruling leaders of the nation of Israel. They take this woman caught in the act of adultery, it says. They caught her red-handed. They threw her down in front of them. Trying to, they were drama queens. Let's just put it that way, okay? They were trying to get the most drama out of this situation. And what is how? What's Jesus' reacting reaction? I think you used the word nonchalant, didn't you, uh, Tim? He was just down there drawing in the sand, listening to their railing against this woman's sin. And this is really a pretty good picture of legalistic Christians railing against the sin of the world. When you think about it. That's what they were about. She broke the law and she should be stoned. And even in the midst of all their hubbub, for lack of a greater, you know, just all this drama and intenseness, he's just writing in the sand. And then they say to him, you know, the law says that we're supposed to stone her. What do you say? He knew they were trying to trap him. And he said to him, let he who among you is who is without sin cast the first stone. And then it says, one by one, they all left. And what I like about it says, it says, the older ones left first and the younger ones at the end. Like, at least they had some wisdom to realize after living a life that we all sin. So, and and then I love uh, how Jesus says to her, woman, where are your accusers? And she's like, "They're, they're gone. And he says, well, then neither do I condemn you. Go in peace and sin no more. To me, that's the key of the meaning of that line. Even caught in the midst of adultery, he says, "He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And uh, to me, that's, that's the key. When we are removed from con- out from under condemnation, just like we've talked so many times, when we're taken out from under the law, that doesn't lead to going out and sinning more. It leads to less sin, even though it seems counterintuitive that if you don't have all the rules over you, you're going to go do whatever you want. And just like another time when the Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus, when another woman was who was a, a prostitute was at his feet, pouring oil on them, kissing them, weeping on them, drying them with with their hair. And the Pharisees are like, if this man knew what kind of, if he was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman that is. So I guess one point is, if I was a Pharisee, they're not very good at trapping him. Because every time they try to trap him, he just comes up with something that just is just beyond brilliant, cuts to the heart of the matter, and leaves them speechless. And Scripture says that the law holds us, the whole world, silent before God because we're all guilty. And I love what he says uh, to the woman there. Well, in response to the woman there, he says to the Pharisees, he who is forgiven much loves much. So being forgiven by Jesus, as he said, neither do I condemn you to the woman caught in adultery, that causes people to love much, which is really the same thing as not sinning when you think about it. You know, Ajay, it's a great story that leads into this, but it really doesn't bring us up to, I am the light of the world. Why don't you take us take us into the topic? Yeah, you know, in fact, uh, it's interesting to me, and I'm glad, Tim, that you actually set the context before we directly jumped into it. But uh, 
it's interesting you know the lord says that right after this where he says you know i'm not going to condemn you neither do i condemn you then he says i am the light of the world he who follows me will not walk in the darkness but uh, will have the light of the life and in fact you know it reminds me i think the first point i want to make is that you know when we have the true light right we see that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus you know there are two things happening here right under the law everybody is condemned that's what you know the lord jesus has uh, proved here clearly you know it's not just that this woman is condemned but everybody is condemned you know under the law because everybody is sinned but and the only way out of that condemnation is basically me right i have delivered you out of the condemnation because i took your condemnation i took your sin to the cross and i paid for your sins fully and therefore there is no condemnation so when lord jesus christ said you know neither do i condemn you it's not that you know he is letting go of our sins but he has his work in view when he said that you know i am going to go to the cross i am going to pay for not only for your sins but also the sins of the whole world and because of that right there is no condemnation neither do i condemn you it's not only you i'm not going to condemn anyone who believes in the finished work that i am going to accomplish on the cross so again i think you know in the natural right we would think you know walking in the lightness uh, walking in light in fact you know it reminds me of uh, john it says you know if you walk in the light the blood of lord jesus christ you know cleanses us continually it says in 1 john uh, i think it's uh, verse 9 maybe you know we can quickly look at that 1 john uh, i think it's 9 all right so oh, 1 john verse 7 right actually let's uh, read from verse 6 if we say that we have fellowship with him and at walk in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of jesus his son cleanses us from all sin so many people you know interpret this walking in the light as you know constantly especially in the context of this passage they say oh we are to constantly confess our sins and we try hard to not sin you know that's what is um, walking in the light in fact they say that you know the light of god will show us our sins that's their interpretation but you know based on what we saw in one john and uh, in john chapter 8 and here the real walking in the light is right you know the walking in the light is you know when we walk in the light it shows how perfectly lord jesus christ took away our sins and how perfectly there is no condemnation for us it's a total opposite people think you know when the light of god shines on us it shows us our sins no when the light of god shows uh, uh, shines on us it shows us that you know we are not condemned anymore because of the finished work of our lord jesus christ i agree with that 110% but i would also add to it though is what does jesus say he says i am the light he didn't say i came to show you the light and go walk it he walk in and he said i am the light so when we walk in the light we're walking in christ it's all yep. focused on him yep yep exactly so another point you know i saw here is you know it says in verse 12 then jesus spoke again to them saying i am the light of the world he who follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life you know the term there i want to bring our attention to is the light of life you know that kind of reminded me uh, john chapter 1 uh, let's say uh, reading from verse 4 uh, 
it says you know in him was life and that life was the light of man the light shines in darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it so here we see that you know what is the light he is talking about his his very life is the light he is saying that right you know in him was life and that life was the light of man and then it goes on to say that you know there came a man sent from god whose name was john he came as a witness to testify of this light so that all men might believe through him he was not the light but he came to testify about the light and there was a true light which coming into the world enlightens every man he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him he came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him but as many as received him to them he gave the right to become the children of god even to those who believe in his name so again here we see that you know when we believe on the lord jesus christ right we become the children of god you know when we receive his life then we are walking in light again i think here if you go back and look at the bible right it talks in terms of darkness and light so the darkness is the people the that are that have not trusted in christ jesus you know that are not born again that do not have the life of christ in them they are the people who are living in darkness and who are the people that are living in light are the people who believed on the lord jesus christ and who have their life in them they are the ones who are living in light and just once again to start by saying i'm not correcting you aj and then ending up sounding like i am <laughs> i'll just add to it and go one step further that just as jesus didn't show people the light and he was the light we are also jesus said to us in 5:14 of matthew you are the light of the world when we put our our faith in christ he gives us his spirit which is him living in us so now we become the light of the world it's just like really as deep as deep could be connection to that light now, one of the things that first kind of interested me interested me when i thought about you know when i knew we were going to do this podcast was the word light and how many times the bible uses the word light and one of the great things about that word is it doesn't matter if you say something to someone on the other side of the world like this is light this is darkness we all know what that means it's a pretty universal uh metaphor um and and i just started thinking about what does that light mean and so much in scripture talks about our understanding and contemplating and meditating and Jesus is saying i am the light of the world and the word light means to understand or to see because a light literally and figuratively when you turn it on you can now see and understand your surroundings and so that's what i really loved about that it's like he came in to give us light to give us understanding of who God is, who we are, who Christ is, um just so much. It's like and that's why we have that saying like a light went on meaning now I understand that big aha moment. Jesus is that big aha moment for us. And light is a interesting thing in its own right as well. I'll jump in here with that. And that is you can be in the very dark cavern in a cave well under the surface where there's no external light source. And I've done this in a couple of different caves over the years. I've loved to go in them. Uh, previously explored, I'm no spelunker, but um, they will they will often in one of these caverns shut off all the lights and it's, you know, pitch dark. 
and one little flashlight can light up and you know let, let you see your surroundings, the entire cave to some extent. One tiny little light can push back the darkness, just like one small piece of truth can push back all the misinformation and lies and distractions. It's just a very powerful thing, and that's why I think they that word is so apropos when it comes to our spirituality, because once we have the truth and the light of Jesus, it's it's amazing. Yeah, I want to kind of go back to that uh, point, right? You know, Lord Jesus made that uh, his life is the light. So I think sometimes, you know, we think light in terms of just enlightenment. You know, we gain more knowledge and we see things that we didn't see before. But that's not really uh, the light that the Lord is talking about. So unless we have Christ himself, you know, like Tim, you're saying Christ is the light. And unless we are born again and we have the life of Christ in us, we really do not have the light. So if you look at the world, right, you know, there are so many smart people. They see so many things that we don't see. And there are so many philosophies. And there are so many keys to living. And in fact, they live a very good life using those principles and things like that. In some cases, I would say non-believers actually live a uh, better light, uh, uh, better life uh, uh, speaking worldly than believers. But the point is, you know, they don't have the life of Christ, neither they have Christ. So even though they sound like, you know, they are very smart and they have a lot of knowledge and they might be seeing many things that we don't see, they still don't have the light of life, which is Christ and his life. I also thought, or just recently also thought about the opposite, darkness. He gives us a clue to one kind of darkness and that it says in, I think it's John 1, that he was the light of the world that came into the world, but men hated him because their deeds were evil. Okay. Nobody wants the light, you know, shined on them to expose their deeds. I would add another thing, though, that Today, it's still true, but at that time, as Christ stepped into the world in his humanity, as well as in his uh, divinity, the entire world was worshiping other than him, whether it was the Judaistic um, works religion or uh, Islam or Buddhism. All around the world, people are in darkness. So I would say that that's part of the darkness too, isn't just actual sin, but trying to live by a set of rules. That's the flesh, as we've talked about many times. And um, I think that's that's a form of darkness now that is just as prevalent as it was back then. Yeah, I think that's a good segue to what I was going to say Um Mark, you know, going back to uh, John chapter 1 again, like I said, um, you know, in him was light and that light, in him was life and that life was the light of man. And then he goes on to say in verse 14, and the word, word became flesh and dwelt upon us and we saw his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out saying, This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So again, based on the context, right? So he's saying that, you know, Jesus is the light of the world, right? His life is our light. And then he's saying that he is full of grace and truth, right? So the grace and truth 
is the light. And the opposite of grace and truth here, the contrast is the law, right? If you are living under the law, and if you are trying to attain your righteousness by the law, and if you are trying to, you know, be a good boy or a girl, you know, so that you can win God's favor, you are basically walking in darkness. You did not understand, you know, the light, or you did not understand, you know, how to get to this light of life. Another analogy very similar to light and darkness is sight and blindness, which is another thing you see in Scripture all over the place, uh, figuratively and in this Scripture, literally. This is John 9, and it says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. And in John 25, uh, the Pharisees were questioning him, asking, who, you know, who was this, you know, that, that made you see? And he said, you know, we know he's a sinner. You know, he, he's not who he says he is. And the man says, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. To me, that's got to be like the testimony, witness, um, banner, whatever, whatever figure you want to use of all believers. When I look back on my life before Christ, I was blind, but now I see. And it just works perfectly with the light and darkness because Jesus was the light and came into my life. Now I could see. Amen. You know, guys, I know you're, you've been kind of looking at me, asking me to participate a little bit more, but I got to be honest with you. You've literally ticked off every single verse and every single uh, thing I had written here for myself to bring up. So um, <laughs> I, I feel like I, I should just say something to so people know I'm still breathing. <laughs> <laughs> Are you alive, Tim, still? Yep, doing well, doing well, and being blessed by this. <laughs> yeah, you know, this also, you know, talking about light and darkness, you know, it also reminded me uh, one of the scriptures, you know, that's the one, you know, our ministry is based on unveiling. So in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, it says in verse uh, 3, right? You know, chapter 4, verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelieving, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as the bond servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, light, shine, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ, you know. This is really, really beautiful saying. Uh, I mean, like we can uh, really not, I don't think, you know, we can really comprehend the 
depths of the beauty of these verses. But you know, one thing we see here is that the whole world is in darkness, right? You know, and the light shines when the gospel comes to us, right? The gospel brings the light of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, when we believe the gospel, right, the light fully shines on our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Well, this is just a little bit of a tangent here, but what I love about the conversation today and all these scriptures are that it's telling us that it's not the law that's the light. It's not religion. It's not even the Christian religion that's the light. It's Jesus himself that is the light. And that's why I just, one of my heartfelt desires is just for the preachers in this world and in this nation to bring the light, just to bring Jesus. That's the light that people need. You know, when you bring the light as in a searchlight, as in you're grabbing a guy who you just arrested and you sit down and you put that bright light on him, they're going to hide. They're going to run. The light is meant to give people understanding and draw them to Jesus, draw them to God. It's not meant to blind them and make them run for cover because you're focusing it on all their sins. It already says our deeds are evil. And if the light is shown on us just to make us feel condemned, guilty, shamed, that's not light. That's just more darkness. The light is meant to let us see Christ, to understand Christ, to receive Christ. Yeah. You know, in fact, I think uh, that also plays a role in the interpretation of the Bible. You know, when we do not have the light of the gospel, right, you know, we interpret everything based on the law, right? Everything comes down to, you know, you have to do this and God will bless you. So again, I think it goes back to we interpret everything in the light of the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Only when we bring the cross, right? When we, only when we bring the finished work into the scene, and when we see everything through the cross, then we can really understand the Bible correctly. Not only the Bible, right? We can even understand life correctly. Until we see the cross and until we start seeing things through the cross, our life is always a question mark, right? You know, many people ask, why, are, why is evil in the world, right? You know, why so many bad things are happening? You know, why I'm suffering so much? You know, if God is good, why are so many bad things? So all these kind of questions will be answered, you know, when we see life through the cross. And when we look at the light, cross, right, you know, the light of the gospel shines on our heart and, you know, the scales will fall down. And then we start seeing, you know, the things as they are, you know, like that's why the Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me, right? So he is the truth. And you know, that truth is the light. So unless we see everything through Jesus Christ and his finished work, right? Our life is always a little bit of a question mark and we are in darkness and we fall back, back to our works and fall back to flesh. So I think, again, I think like Mark, you are saying, bring Jesus to the forefront, right? And he is the light. In order to have light in life, we need to have Jesus. So even as Christians, you know, many times, you know, when we think of light, we don't see it as synonymous with Jesus. We have all kinds of interpretation, right? We think, okay, light means, okay, some additional enlightenment, some additional knowledge. Okay, I work hard and gain some more knowledge. No, no, no. All that is not what light is. Light is Jesus, right? Just as Jesus is life, Jesus is light. Yeah, which reminds me. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Tim. 
Sorry. I was just going to say, and this is just as important for believers as non-believers. You know, as most of us, you know, the three of us have uh, experienced in our lives, we were in a performance-driven church most of our life when we found the one true gospel that we claim to have here. The we found that light and it illuminated so many scriptures. We had there were a lot of scriptures that I would have called problem texts until I found grace and until I found that what the truth and the teaching and the meaning of it was and is being Jesus and being grace and love and light. And it's uh, and so we're not just like sitting here going, Oh, yeah, you unbelievers, you're in darkness, and you know, we've got plenty of Christians out there who aren't walking in the full light because they haven't ever been taught it. One of the things throughout the history of mankind that mankind's in different philosophies and religion has desired, you've probably all heard the word enlightenment to become enlightened. I want to become an enlightened human being. And there are many, many different religions now that that's, the, you know, many of the Eastern religions and new, way, uh, new age and people, they're, they're seeking to be enlightened. Even back in the time of Christ, the whole Greek culture, that was their highest value was seeking wisdom and enlightenment. And as Jesus came into that culture, which put a big value I mean, because people were mixed together at that time. You had the Jews, and that whole that whole area was living under the Greek influence, where education and gaining wisdom was like the system they were born into, and then they were all under the Roman Empire rule. So you had this big mix here, and into that Jesus came and said, and even Paul, when he went to the Areopagus, addressed that as he spoke to the Greek uh, scholars and philosophers about what the real light is. He came in and said, wait a minute, you want enlightenment? Great. Here I am. Boom. Love that. Yeah. In fact, you know, people who seek wisdom, you know, they come up with all kinds of philosophies. But the Bible says, you know, the cross is the wisdom of God. Yeah. Without the cross, we neither have the power of God nor the wisdom of God. So... It's again, you know, everything points back to uh, the cross. You know, without the cross, you know, you can do whatever you want. You can come up with all kinds of theories, philosophies, and all kinds of enlightenment. You know, even Buddha, he actually, you know, went and uh, left everything and sat under a tree. And then he came up with some kind of enlightenment and formed the religion of Buddhism. But again, you know, there is no cross there, right? So he did not discover the cross. So... Anything without the cross, end of the day, is foolishness. You know, the Bible says the wisdom of God is, is for foolishness to those who perish. The cross is the foolishness to those who perish. But again, the vice versa is also true, right? You know, um, the wisdom of men is foolishness before God because all of the wisdom that we need is encapsulated in the cross. You know, he that has found the cross of Christ has found the wisdom of God. And who did not find the cross of Christ, right? No matter how intelligent he may sound, he's still a fool. Yeah, that's good. And when you think about it that way, the cross is really the ultimate light that shines. I mean, yep, exactly. in, in Christ's entire life, even in his life from birth to, to the cross, the cross was was his, his pinnacle. It was, you know, just yeah. blinding light shining out. In fact, like I said before, right, even in heaven, you would think, you know, the Lion of Judah has prevailed, right? You know, when you, you would think, you know, when you look at the throne, 
it's a roaring lion that is sitting there but no you see a lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world so even in heaven the cross is exalted so that is the wisdom of god and that is the glory of god even the glorified christ is the crucified christ how awesome is that <laughs> and it also says i don't have the scripture with me in revelation that in heaven there is no sun because yeah. the sun isn't needed there it's yeah. that's the lamb of god is lighting up heaven that's yeah. a beautiful yeah. picture makes me want to weep well the only about the only verse we haven't brought into this yet uh, <laughs> with the whole light thing is Jesus, uh, you know, is described as a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. And that is because if he is living in us, his wisdom, his glory is going to literally shine out from us. And it is going to, without our participation particularly, put us yeah. on the right path and put us where he wants us to be. And we will end up doing things and from hopefully good things, you know, in his name, but not of us, but of the of him who is coming out of us. And, and Tim, that's that's Psalm 119, 105 that says your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. And we also know that Jesus and the word of God are one. I mean, John said in John 1, uh, and, the word one. Be- and the word became flesh, right? What was it? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, the word was, was with, God, with God, and the Word was God, and yep. then it talks about the Word came and became a man. So yep. so you are absolutely right when you said that Jesus is a lamp unto our feet, and so is the Word, because they're unified. And then I love the message. This is the message translation of Psalm 119.105. It's a paraphrase, but it tends to be really beautiful translations at times. It says, by your words, I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. Isn't that powerful? I'm also reminded of one more Old Testament uh, scripture. It's uh, it's still a little intriguing, but uh, it's again very beautiful. It says, in your light, we shall see light. So even to see light and understand, you know, have some understanding, we first need the light of God, you know, which is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So without him, you know, we cannot even see what light is. So that's a that's a really beautiful scripture. But uh, even though I don't fully understand it, but I thought it's very beautiful. In your light, we will see light. Huh. That's good. What one? Do you have the verse on that one offhand? It is uh, Psalm 36, 9. Okay, why don't you read it? For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. Huh. For in you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. Yeah. Wow, that's that's really, <laughs> yeah. That one gives me a brain cramp trying to think. It's like God's light is so bright, it allows us to see light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in other words, wrong. right, you know, without God's light, right, even light becomes darkness to us. People cannot see uh, light. Even if someone shines the light, you know, it's darkness. You can't see it, you know. Good stuff. Well, this has been beautiful, Mark. And, Ajay, I appreciate everything you guys have been saying tonight. But uh, I'm going to be the timekeeper again and call time. And I'm going to give you guys a chance to wrap or summarize every, anything you want to bring out from today's lesson or discussion. And we'll go in alphabetical order tonight, Ajay. How about you first? Yeah. So this is, for some reason, you know, this is, again, one of my favorite scriptures. I find it very beautiful. 
in uh, Matthew chapter 4 from verse 12 onwards, 12 to 17, uh, actually 12 to 16. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Gal- Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum by the sea in the region of Jebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. So, you know, Jesus is this light, right? You know, people who are sitting in darkness, they saw a great light, and those who are sitting in the land of the shadow of death, upon them the light dawned. So, our Lord Jesus Christ is this light, right? You know, who takes us out of darkness, who takes us out of the shadow of death and, you know, fills us with his light and fills us with his life. What was the scripture address on that, uh, Ajay? Uh, it's uh, Matthew chapter 4 from verse 12 to 16. And I remember this, though, that Matthew was quoting, that's an Old Testament prophecy. Yeah. So this was all spoken before Christ was even born which makes yes. it that much more powerful. I'll just finish with Matthew, Matthew 5, 14, which kind of shines the light on us a bit. Pardon the pun. It says, "You, just uh, as Jesus talking to his disciples, of which we are among their number, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, when you take that verse, most people see this as, oh, I better go out there and really do a lot of good deeds, give a lot of money to the church. But Jesus said, wait a minute, good deeds aren't the light of the world. Living according to the law is not the light of the world. I am the light of the world. So when we let the light shine in us, it's just letting Jesus out. So simple. Just our, our focus is Jesus. And almost like a prism where light goes in one end and then reflects out in greater number. That, that's how I, see, how I see that. Let your light shine before others. You know, we're the light of the world only because the light of the world is in us. Amen. I am reminded of the children's uh, Sunday school song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Going to Let It Shine. Why don't you sing uh, that for us to finish it up, Tim? You know what? There are two things I should never do. Singing (laughs) is very high on that list. (laughs) But I, uh, you know, it is, it's not me. I'm not the light of the world, but the, but the, the saving grace of Jesus that comes through me, that is the light. And I, I am uh, enamored every day of being able to learn more of it and be able to share it. You know, I pray the Lord gives me strength to do that until my final breaths. Before we wrap completely tonight, I would like to turn everybody's attention to one new thing. The Unveiled Gospel has a new website. You can come find us at www.theunveiledgospel.com. That will be the home for this podcast, The Unveiling Podcast. And um, Mark and Ajay, I believe I've I've toe-wrangled them into agreeing to write uh, a blog on there occasionally. So tune in to those for more enlightenment 
uh, from the brains of two of the most uh, gifted individuals I know in the grace ministry today. So guys, thanks for another wonderful session. I look forward to the next one. Quick preview next week. We're going to start the third part of this with uh, John 10, 7. Look it up, find out what it is and tune in the next time. Tim again. Thanks for listening today. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, we encourage you to subscribe and share our podcast with your friends and family. Our entire catalog of episodes can be found on our website at www.theunveiledgospel.com or you can listen and subscribe on most popular podcast apps. If you have any feedback or questions, you can send us an email to theunveiledgospel at yahoo.com. You can reach out to us on our Facebook page, The Unveiling Podcast, or you can leave a question or comment on our listener line at 352-398-0089. Maybe you'll hear yourself on a future episode. That's it for today. As always, God bless, and we will talk to you the next time.